Starbucks media empire strikes back. And brands beware, McDonald's YouTube fail. This is episode 52 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Starbucks media empire strikes back. Tom, did you get the reference there? I'm telling you, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> the, the headline, you're, you should be in the podcast headlines.com. Let's look yeah, that we'll up. We'll see. <laughs> so this is from a piece in a publication called Strategy and Business. You sent this over to me. It's titled Branding Evolution. It's got a a mugshot of the guy who wrote it, who I strongly suggest should get a different photo <laughs> because <laughs> this one looks like he's a he it looks like he's kind of being stared down by Judge Judy. It's not the best <laughs> shot. So Here's the, th- the, the, the thing. It's a story about um, something called Upstanders, which is a web series that Starbucks has released for reasons that this guy intimately understands. And many others would say, well, it's, it's, a, it's a mystery to me. <laughs> Upstanders is evidently a web series that uses video podcasts and text to tell the stories of 10 ordinary people creating positive change. In the press release, they, uh, Starbucks says that upstanders share stories of inspiring Americans that are, quote, often ignored by traditional news organizations with millions of our fellow Americans through Starbucks' unparalleled platform. So conceptually, Tom, a um, gift to society, a way to sell coffee, what is it? Okay. One of the most re- revealing things I found in the article, and, I'm, and I'm, I know that it stood out to you as well, was that the senior vice president for public affairs of Starbucks, a retail coffee chain, is a mm-hmm. former Washington Post editor, mm-hmm. right? So what this is telling me is that the strategic creation of content is moving. What it's doing is following the engaged eyeballs instead of necessarily trying to create that engagement with content, mm-hmm. right? So Starbucks has engaged eyeballs mm-hmm. and the article explains that upstanders is aimed less at selling coffee and more at enhancing starbucks brand promise and deepening consumer engagement now mm-hmm. i looked up starbucks mission statement and guess what it's right on based on the content the upstanders mm-hmm. it says to inspire and nurture the human spirit one person one cup and one neighborhood at a time do all their customers look that up? I don't think any of them do. But look, <laughs> I don't think maybe they should print it on the cup. But look, here's the thing. They have always been an identity brand. Now, mm-hmm. they lost some of that. Maybe what they're trying to do is get it back because that's what allows them to charge the kind of money they do for these cups of coffee. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, what is then the real audience for this? What is the real purpose for this? Is it to reach a lot of people and sway the thinking of a lot of people or is it to get a lot of publicity um tangentially in other words the fact of us doing it is what generates the attention so the attention makes us look good so even if people don't consume the content the attention generated by that content and the goodwill implied by that uh, attention generation is in effect what we're looking for in the long run. And here's why I asked that question. I looked up the traction of some of this content and I guess it depends, you know, how your scale slides, but 
uh, one of the videos I saw had 177,000 views, which is not chicken feed. But again, we are talking about Starbucks here. Mm -hmm. I think there are 177,000 people in front of me in line every morning. (laughs) Uh, Another had 80,000 views. Um, There are 112,000 YouTube subscribers, and these are YouTube videos. So in other words, in one case, you know, more people saw than were subscribing. In another case, fewer people saw than were subscribing. And then I looked at all the other videos, and legitimately, most of the videos they had had in the single thousands of views. So in other words, they were of dubious value in any event. So what... Okay, so this is aligned with their brand, aligned with their principle, but what is it really good for? Well, two things. One is, we read this article, right? So, so obviously, it's, it's, a, it's good for PR. It's good, it's good to enhance the whole idea right. that what Starbucks is in the business of doing is nurturing the human spirit. But in addition, the people who do watch it, now, maybe they're hoping it scales through sharing. I don't know. But the people who do watch it, they feel a little bit better about having 172,000 people standing in front of them in line. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They, they say, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. all right, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm spending premium pricing. I'm one of these people. I want to nurture the human spirit. They're, they're my type of people. And that's, that's the idea behind these identity brands. It's the same reason that Harley's sales shot up, you know, when, when all these biker shows started showing up on, on television and on Netflix because people mm-hmm. started to say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm one of these rebel-type people. I'll spend $47,000 for a two-wheeled vehicle. I have another theory about this. I, 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 if I stand back and look at it hard, what's one of the challenges that Starbucks has when it comes into a neighborhood? Well, everyone in the neighborhood says one of two things, maybe both of two things. The number local one, coffee shop. you just yep. pushed out our local coffee house. And number two, another Starbucks? There's three within a one-mile radius. So um, how, in other words, do they get to be viewed as something that is not, a po- quote— positive, right? Yeah, a positive that's not, quote, other— that's not, quote, outside, and that's not, quote, you know, uh, a big faceless corporation. Um, and all of this would, and especially the publicity, I would argue, from all of this, independent of the actual consumption of the content, which is a whole other story, tells, I think, the larger tale of we're good guys. We're, uh, you know, that takes away the sting of the otherness. It takes away the sting of the big corporate nameplate. And it takes away the sting that we just pushed out the local neighborhood coffee house. You know what I mean? I do. But look, we also don't know what's going on behind the scenes with, with this, you know, these people, editors from the Post. They may be trying to create, you know, another media company. I mean, we've talked about this before. Red Bull did it, right? What was Red Bull? a little can of, you know, terrible-tasting energy drink, and now they're a major media company. So who knows? We may see a conference in all kinds of different media plays coming out of, uh, out of Starbucks in the future about nurturing the human spirit. I don't know. Well, look, it's, that's an interesting point, and I, I, I accept that. I think one of the differences with something like Red Bull is that they seem uh, committed to, be, to create content which has a particular uh, attraction, value attraction to it based on the, the, the brand seems to me to be easier to fit 
that content to because it's extreme sports or it's outlandish stunts. In other words, it's stuff that has to be seen to be appreciated and stuff that is desirable to see. I look at some of this stuff that relates to kind of um, uh, non-primal mm. uh, uh, appetites. Goodness, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, making the world a better place. You could, yeah, you could very easily conclude, well, this is all very noble, but it's not particularly compelling. And how much space is there in the world for more non-compelling content? Yeah, I mean, that is, uh, that is true. It, it, listen, I've, I've advised businesses myself, you know, that, that say, well, we're going we're gonna to try to appeal to people's hearts because they want to do the good thing. The right thing, and I can, and I tell them. I said, "Look, you can do that, but don't mm. lead with that because that's not what people are after." <laughs> lead with build the wall. Exactly. <laughs> you are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Brands beware! McDonald's YouTube fail. Tom, this is from a piece in. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. Digiday, what is this from? Digiday, yeah, Digiday. Um, by the way, Digiday never prints well. I like to deal with paper, and Digiday never prints uh, well. Then they're off uh, well of our list. <laughs> they're off of our list. So, McDonald's apparently had a bad experience with YouTube. Uh, they launched their spinoff YouTube channel, Channel Us, last July. By the way, it sounds like something which is doomed to fail, but <laughs> they didn't ask us last July. They're only coming to us now. One year later, it pulled the plug. Fronted by YouTube personalities, Ollie White and Hazel Hayes. Okay, they got the YouTube personalities. Check. A big check on the wall. (laughs) The channel had featured career-centric... Whoops. Here we go. Boring topics again. Career-centric videos on topics from becoming a vlogger to creating a fashion show. Two things which I've never really aspired to. (laughs) Its aim had been to target, you guessed it, you know, note cynicism, the 16 to 24-year-old demographic, but the young audience faded, faded while its all-time high was 758,000 views. Only one video in 2006 topped 1,000. Yep, I would call that a disappointment. 1,000. Only one video in 2016 topped 1,000. Wow. That is. That, um, that's, those are some small, small numbers. I think I've seen 1,000 seagulls eating French fries in their parking lot. That is, <laughs> <laughs> and they were all in line they in front were in of us line. at Starbucks. <laughs> McDonald's, who did not respond for comment on this story. <laughs> Surprising. Uh, we just lost chalked... McDonald's as a client. Too. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you know, I sent a note to the Wax Museum last week, and they didn't even reply. So I, I, don't, think I'll, I don't think we're barking up the right tree. So McDonald's has chalked up the channel's failure to the difficulty of making content in a crowded space. Well, that's a good, I like that. <laughs> you know, it's not, in other words, it's hard. No, no, it's I, would hard, like to, I would like to see every CEO in the country put that on their, you know, their annual reports. <laughs> well, that was the, the difficulty of selling things in a crowded market. It's really hard. <laughs> Have you seen a supermarket lately? It's hard. <laughs> And then they go on to say they had to go to an expert for this. Not all brands are capable of attracting a following, according to Peter Shaffy, founder of Creative Media. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Not all brands are capable of creating a following. Again, this, this piece is so full of, yeah, okay, I've heard it before, I've seen it before. Quote, only obvious lifestyle brands have the real potential to succeed with their own channel and over-the-top opportunity. He said, Red Bull is the poster child here, here in go. terms of doing it right, as it is, of course, for every example, for everything. Right. So what, did, what was your take on this? Well, my take on it immediately was, and these, these were two random 
you know, the subjects that we were looking at, but the connection I know, totally between related. them. Yeah, the, the connection was amazing because you can see why Starbucks is going to be more successful potentially in this area while McDonald's failed tremendously. All you have to ask yourself is, what's McDonald's mission statement? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not even sure what it is. I think it has something to do with the restaurant experience. What mm-hmm. does that have to do with vlogging and fashion? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So here's mm-hmm. the difference between these two approaches. McDonald's is trying to attract attention and hope mm-hmm. that that attention turns into somebody ordering hamburgers. Starbucks right. has attention. And what they're trying to do is deepen engagement with the attention that they already have. That's a much smarter pursuit. Look, I'm gonna, listen, I'm going to pull back the curtain mm-hmm. really fast on these moves, explain how this works, because it's really simple but this is mm-hmm. not easy. It, let, let's go back. Carl Jung described four psychological functions that link us to the outer world. Sensation. Something exists. Mm-hmm. Thinking. What is that something? Feeling. That something's worth to us, right? It's an inward guide to value. We feel it. And then mm-hmm. intuition. And that's the possibilities of that something. What it can become or lead to for us. Today, everyone is trying to appeal to our ins- sensations, letting us know they exist. And they're not mm-hmm. focusing on the critical psychological function, which is the feeling, the value, the worth to us. Because to pay attention to anything in this crazy media environment, we need to screen the hell out of a lot of other things. So if we don't feel that something is worth even approaching or digging into, we don't even tune in. We don't even look mm-hmm. at it. We don't even want to see it because we don't have the ability to do it. But what if I want to start a fashion show? Okay. <laughs> you no, know, that's, that's good. Do you, do you, like, are you going to start a fashion show by appealing to people who are interested in fashion? <laughs> or are you going to do it to people who buy uh, burgers from you? Well, this is this is this is one of the points the piece made is that this kind of broad thing saying, "Hey, we have a problem among 16 to 24s. We need to reach an audience of 16 to 24s. What things are 16 to 24s interested in? Let's create a brand new brand targeting 16 to 24s." And what this thing is 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 saying is, look, all those people are gathered wherever they're gathered based on whatever their interests are. You need to go to where they are and speak to them there rather than try and create your own platform from scratch. Unless, of course, I guess you would argue or you could argue that you're doing it the way Starbucks does and saying, hey, this is a – first of all, this is not a platform we're creating from scratch. This is an initiative. This is an initiative that's bigger than our brand and isn't really even strictly related to our brand. It's related to the mission of our brand. Right. And it is related to make you feel something, to make you think different thoughts and feel different feelings about our brand in the long run because we are the good people who brought you this. Again, though, I go back to Starbucks problem is different from McDonald's problem. People may look at McDonald's and say that's the big, bad, faceless you know, McDonald's, mm-hmm. but you know, it's funny how they never say McDonald's just pushed out my local burger joint. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is McDonald's problem that it needs this stuff to solve other than, gosh, we got a crisis among 16 to 24s. So you see what I mean? I mean, they, they kind of have a different problem. And maybe this isn't even the right medicine for that problem, even done the Starbucks way. No, it's not. It's obvious that it's not. There's no connection. 
There's no connection to the brand whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There isn't. I mean, uh, let's say I go on this fashion thing or I, you know, the vlogger or whatever, and I get mm-hmm. done watching it. What is the connection in my mind now that when my stomach starts grumbling, I say, you know, I got to shoot down and get a burger. Because why? Because they put the word McDonald's. You see, that click were robotic way we used to be back in the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s. That game mm-hmm. is over. There's way too mm-hmm. many choices today for that to happen. In the old days, it worked because you saw messages all the time. And then you drove and all you saw was that restaurant. And so you pulled in. It doesn't work like that anymore because the options are too many. Well, this ought to bring us all down when I read this paragraph from the piece because this pretty much says that the things you just said aren't on their minds at all. (laughs) McDonald's content is under increased scrutiny following a new zero-margin deal with media agency Omnicom. Things that aren't performing will get axed quickly on its quest to create 5,000 pieces of content by the end of the year oh. because that, Tom, should be the goal. That's the goal. Creating, creating a numeric goal in terms of co- number of content pieces, that's the goal, not doing anything else that's larger than that. <laughs> Let's just create more stuff for them to slog through. Maybe something will stick, and if not, we'll pull it quick because, frankly, Omnicom doesn't, isn't incentivized to do otherwise. Because they're apt, there's no strategy behind what they're doing other than this belief of top-of-mind awareness creates mm-hmm. sales. That And creating a quota of content is the method to generate that top of mind awareness. Absolutely. (laughs) I brought myself down. You know, not not announcing some some great healthy new burger. Don't do that. That won't create any No, don't do that. No, have some vloggers telling you how to do a fashion show. I I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. We're going to create 5,000 pieces of... Why 5,000? Well, it's a number. (laughs) It's a big one. (laughs) And if 1,000 people watch each video, think of the numbers we could generate. Huge. All right, Tom, it's time for Rants and Raves. What's going on this week? Oh, I actually have a, a kind of a wicked rave. I, 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 I think I'm late on this one because <laughs> I just read about it, but I, but I love it. Let me tell you what this is about. This is about a woman named Sarah Nyberg. Have you heard of this woman? No. She created a Twitter account. It's called uh, Liz, but it's at Argutron. And listen, this is what she does. She sends out a tweet about every 10 minutes that riles people up. The tweets, here's a couple. It's like, straight people don't deserve pride. That's one of them. Or, uh-huh. or tell, tell your boy they can be a girl if they want to. So, so she sends these tweets out, and all of these hotheads, they take the bait and they start arguing with her. But Liz can argue on and on with these people for hours on end on Twitter mm-hmm. because she's not human. She's a, she's a bot. <laughs> Sarah programmed her Twitter account to rile people up with these calm statements and then keep them riled up with equally non-aggressive responses. So for hours, she said she had someone repeatedly attempt to sexually harass the bot, thinking it was a human. Now, (laughs) I think this is pretty funny. I mean, people are tied up for hours arguing with something that's not even real. <laughs> and she says, she, Nyberg says, it doesn't matter if you're arguing about feminism, Julian Assange, Donald Trump, or some fun combo of the three. The bot's replies can be effectively 
identical, and the arguments will still continue. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of that old SNL from, I don't know, the 80s or 90s when William Shatner hosted oh, yeah. and he did the convention of Trekkies, and uh, they're all excited to have him there, and he gets up there and he says, you people, get a life. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> You're taking something I did on a lark as a 35-year-old man and just making too much of it. Just move on. <laughs> well, listen, let me end with this. Mother Teresa said that, well, at least the Internet says she said, Spite, spiteful <laughs> words can hurt, but silence breaks your heart. So Sarah is doing her best to piss people off, but at least she's not breaking <laughs> anyone's heart. <laughs> I think that's the Mother Teresa bot, to be uh, more exact. All right, I've got a couple today. First of all, I have to ask you, there's this really um, awesome thing I've been watching, my wife and I on Amazon, called Goliath. Oh, with Billy I've been Bob watching Thornton. Have that. you seen that yet? I've been watching. That's have a you great been show. It? Billy Bob Thornton's excellent in that. Now, tell me the truth. Have you really been watching it? Uh-oh. I don't, uh, is this some kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Here's why I why? ask. New Hulu research reveals 46% of people lie about what they watch on TV. What? People love to talk about the TV shows they're watching. It's social currency, friends, coworkers, <laughs> classmates, and even strangers. A recent Hulu Insights study of over 1,000 adults who have watched TV in the past six months uncovered that close to half of those surveyed lied about watching a show in order to fit into a conversation, Tom. What's more shocking, 75% of them have done it in the past three months, maybe in the past one minute, Tom. <laughs> Men 18 to 49, in particular, are almost twice as likely to lie about TV than women. And oh, by the way, survey takers, probably not just TV. Millennials lie more often. 55% of the 18 to 34-year-olds surveyed admitted to having lied about watching a TV show. Don't you find these numbers astounding? No, I don't understand any of it. I mean, you... Uh, no, because you and I wouldn't lie about watching a stupid no, TV show. No, but what happens if you lie and somebody says, well, what did you think about such and such getting killed? What do you say? Well... I'm going to stop making stuff up when I ask people if they've seen the show. <laughs> that's, that's... 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 You know, at that rate, you're going to be running for president. <laughs> Listen, then this thing, what's funny, I think, about this research is that since it's from Hulu, they have to twist this to kind of, you know, like, what does this have to do with Hulu, you might say? And here's the sentence that I think is so funny. When a TV show goes beyond simple watching to directly influencing the personal and social aspects of consumers' lives, it has created a deeply impactful connection with consumers. That deep connection is exactly what makes Hulu the paramount place for TV fans and brands alike. I don't. Where I don't. Does that connection, I, where is these numbers? Where does that connection come from? Where is, where's Can't you see any of this information coming from? Today? Can't you from Hulu? Can't you see the Hulu sellers sitting around saying, "Okay, well, we got to tie this research into the brand somehow." <laughs> Let's have a sentence that says, "And that means dot dot dot." Hulu is the place to spend your advertising money. Oh my god! I just love that. Um, so I had one more, and this is a, absolutely a rant. Um, I'm sorry, a rave. I don't even know the difference at this point. <laughs> Rave is supposed to be something that you're saying, hooray. Oh, okay. I, now I understand. <laughs> okay. Um, so, as you know, this is kind of the Halloween episode of Media Unplugged. Oh, I didn't know so that. I would only, have done something. something it's only appropriate that I reference this from the Huffington Post. Sleep inside a coffin at Dracula's castle this Halloween. Scared of the dark? Then this Halloween treat is probably not for you. 
Two fearless souls are being sought to spend the night inside Dracula's castle this October 31. Dracula author Bram Stoker's great-grandnephew, Dacre Stoker, is throwing open the doors to Bran Castle in Transylvania, Romania, for the lucky winners of an Airbnb contest. Oh, God. Isn't this awesome? Listen to this. Playing the role of Dracula character Jonathan Harker, he'll greet them as they arrive by horse-drawn carriage to the castle where the 15th century Prince Vlad the Impaler, who inspired Stoker's 1897 gothic horror story, once stayed. He'll then treat the duo to a candlelit dinner before leading them to the crypt for their night's sleep inside velvet-trimmed coffins. <laughs> by the way... I don't understand this. Guests must abide by certain house rules, Tom. No garlic or garlic-scented items. No silver jewelry. And making any cross signs during the stay <laughs> is strictly forbidden. They must also close all curtains before sunrise and avoid taking mirror selfies because the Count is not a fan. I just think this thing is so great. To get a chance of of, of winning, you've got to be, um, you've got to uh, enter the Airbnb. It's called "Show Us Your Vampiric Wit." Um, you have to state what you'd say to Count Dracula if you ended up coming oh, face to fang with him. And the thing I think is so great about this is obviously they're taking something that's on everybody's minds. They're trying to uh, create a link. They're trying to not even newsjack as much as kind of meme jack or topic jack what's going on in conversation right now and they're twisting it in a way that couldn't be more relevant for the brand you get to the 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 thing you were saying before about feeling i mean this absolutely supports the feeling of the brand i mean uh airbnb is all about not staying in the standard hotel but finding some cool digs to stay in and it twisted in a way that says uh that generates a a wow cool effect i mean it 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 takes the story, it allows you to tell it in the presence of stories we already talk about, which is Halloween, Dracula, etc., and it adds the wow, cool twist that makes you think, you know, pleasant thoughts about Airbnb. I just think this is a hit um, on every level. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm talking to a guy who loves this kind of stuff anyway, right? So... <laughs> I'm not sleeping in no coffee. No. I'll tell you that right now. Well, look, see, it's, this is this is what I'm talking about. You have to appeal to the sensibilities of your audience. I'd rather see a competition where I could stay at Tom Brady's house with Giselle for Halloween and hand out candy. Are they in a horror movie? <laughs> I'm not familiar with them. <laughs> Tom, that's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at Art19, Radio Inc., Media Village, and Net News Check. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, please tweet us. By the way, Tom, is there a word of the week for people who've listened this far and they tweet us this magical word? What is it? <laughs> you do the word of the week this, this time. I come up with strange ones. How about hashtag Tom Brady, whoever that is? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's too much of that. No, it's got to be something. Um, Let's pick something else. Dracula's Castle. There you go. Hashtag Dracula's Castle. Catch up on older episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the always amazing producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media, and I do mean exciting. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you so much for listening.